0: I'm Peaton, and this is The Rhizomatic Reader. You are listening to my unedited conversation with Farhan Saeed about Lois Lowry's novel, The Giver. You can find an edited version of this conversation on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Hey, fam. Hello. I love the beer. It's gotten so massive. It's really gotten giant, hasn't it? I love it good
1: it's full like it's full it looks good on you
0: it is full in fact it's it's having a good day it's tamed today so I feel I, I feel good about it I some days it. I <laughs> some days I look nuts um or insane but today I think that I I look pretty good
1: I think so, you look good it's been so long since i talked to you
0: it's been several weeks man
1: like three weeks four weeks
0: yeah you've been to oregon and back
1: Shit, that was a long ass drive
0: i don't even want to think about that i would not be able to handle it
1: 3200 miles of driving
0: i uh, i would not be able to handle that i don't think i felt yeah. for you as you were going through that process so good on you the for
1: middle the, the middle stretch was the hardest because it was a middle of nowhere kansas and missouri
0: oh yeah i know i've driven through missouri for sure i can't remember if i've ever driven through kansas um so i'm glad you made it home safe your oregon days are over so
1: yeah yeah i think even though i told Catherine i would do my dissertation defense in oregon maybe i won't do that and just like get it done and be over with it
0: i would just just up
1: for my graduation
0: yeah do it on zoom or something. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, I'm excited to talk to you today. I have had a really screwed up week because of this book that you had me read. Surprised you haven't read it before. (sighs) Me too. Also, I'm very surprised because I really thought that it was a book about one thing and it turned out to be a completely different thing. I don't know why I thought that this was a book about, um, I had some sense that this was a book about like uh, Jewish identity or something, but it it turns out not to be that at all. So so as I was reading, I was like, I really guess I didn't know
1: anything about this book. Um, That's good though, because then that way it hits deeper.
0: Yeah, well, it really did. So um, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. I saw that you got my uh, document. Um, this is pretty free flowing. I'll do editing and stuff like that. But you know, the question I always start off with for people on the podcast is that I like to talk to them about the history of their reading life, uh, what they, how they would broadly conceptualize the way that they have developed a relationship with reading or how they remember reading or anything they want to talk about related to their reading life
1: really okay so do i do it this is this is where i'd like to tell you about my yeah reading. yeah
0: talk to me yeah we're we're i'm recording you know we're just talking it's just you and i so it's you know it's all good here it's all Do you want good. me to introduce myself first how does this work uh you don't have to worry about that i do an introductory spiel before we dive into the actual audio of the episode so
1: Okay, cool. Uh, my reading history. So my reading history for me was a act of survival. Um, I growing. I feel like I'm going to tell you my like, like deep dark like, growing up. Growing up was very hard. Living in the South, being yeah. um, the only Muslim in the whole county, one of very few people of color. It was very lonely,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh books and reading was an outlet to escape kind of the reality that I was living. And so Mm -hmm. um, I remember like every day coming home from school and like grappling with like like these feelings that I had, but you know, at such a young age, you like, you know what, you can feel it, but you don't really understand it. And so books was a really a way to kind of just leave that, that moment that experience and really like examine a life that's outside of like what i was living and so i remember reading books like sci-fi and reading like these fairy tale like utopian like societies which you know lends really well into the book that we've chosen uh for this one but it was a way to imagine like life where like i didn't have to feel the sadness and loneliness and numbness all the time. And I couldn't grapple like understanding those feelings, but I know that they were feelings and the feelings didn't feel good. And so Hmm. I remember like, I was like growing up, I had to like really struggle with a lot of things and like having to work really hard. But one thing I didn't have work hard was reading and like reading was something was second nature to me. And so every book I could get my hands on, I would read and you know, growing up, there wasn't a book that I ever read that I'd never put, to put down, didn't finish front to back. Like oh. that was kind of a goal for me. And so I don't know if this is a thing, but growing up, we had this program called Accelerated Reader mm-hmm. in school. And uh, like, that was my jam. Like that was like my, my like domain where I would read so much where I became like principal of the day and all these awards for like, just reading. Like, I was like, damn, people are appreciating me for like, just reading. And like, that is where I felt like I really dived into the love of reading because not only did I like to read like a variety of books, but with this AR, what we called it, you got tested on that reading. So it helped make me like reflect a lot on what I was reading and has really cultivated this like love for reading that I've had in my life. And so like the earliest memory I have is reading like I don't remember the book's name, but like, I remember where I was. And I remember, um, I remember I was um, in our old house by a window raining. It was like pouring outside, but I remember just being like wrapped in a blanket and um, just like, just being so into the book that like three hours go by and I don't even know it's gone by like that. And that's how, like, that's like my first memory of like reading a book and like the power of words. And, you know, that's why I love reading because they're like words are, you know, they're just words if you just look at them, but when they're put together in a certain way and style, like they mean something and they're so powerful and that is something that's like stayed with me. And so that's another reason why I view like reading and books as a form of poetry because they're words that individuals have put together to create this story and it's so beautiful. And yeah, and that's kind of progressed me into kind of, you know, into my doctoral journey where now I'm reading for something that's very critical. And a lot of the work that I'm reading is, is you see it today with everything that's happening like systemic oppression, racism, like, you know, racism, liberation, you name it, like, a lot of these, what I'm reading, like, are critical scholars, so I think, like, I've seen kind of accumulation of, like, reading for survival, and that's still happening today, but just in a different way, and so,
0: that's interesting, so you think that reading theory and stuff in graduate school is, like, reading as a form of survival?
1: Yeah, Mm. because, you know, Mm -hmm. like, it's kind of like similar to the way like I like I've always been able to like reflect, but it wasn't until I learned some of these like theory and critical work and decolonizing work that I really understood kind of like the the oppressions that are out there, I really understood what racism was out there because um, like again like words were a way of survival because again I as someone that's been marginalized and lab- a term that's been put on me, this marginalization, like I was able to have words now to really understand the things that I go through, things that other people go through. And so again, like words and books and reading is still an act of survival. And um,
0: that, yeah. yeah, that is really powerful. Now I want to, I want to go back to your childhood just for a minute, because, you know, you've talked about accelerated reader. Before accelerated reader, did you grow up in a house that was like an active reading space or did you really fall into reading because of accelerated reader?
1: I would say I'd always had this curiosity to read before that program. I mean, my parents would sign up, us, up for book club, um, like the library, they had like p- program for young kids and stuff like that. And so that was something that like initially like, um, I did and excelled at and so it wasn't accelerate reader was like the first notion of me reading but like my parents really cultivated us to to read and learn um, and so while they themselves weren't much of readers they knew the importance of reading and so you know at a very young age and I'm talking like four or five like I remember my parents taking us to the local library signing us up for like the the like program for young kids and like getting mm-hmm. us acclimated to, to books. And I remember going to the library every single day, like always asking my parents to take us to the library. And Cause you know, I would get 13 books in like three days I'll be done with all 13 books. And so like, mm. that was something that like, instead of being like, oh, you're reading too many books. They love that. And so they really, really encouraged my brother and I to really read. And so, um, yeah, like it was just like this like badge of honor that I wore to having a library card. Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so special. And Mm so I, and like my parents would like, you know help us out with a couple of books but then they would let us explore the library and be like, go look at the books. Like, and so I would just take an hour just reading the back of the books just to see if there's something that was interesting. And so like my family really did allow for me to, to really explore and just kind of like make it my own. And so there'd be times I remember where I, when I was older enough like probably when I was like 12 or 13 years old that my parents felt good enough to just like leave me at the library for a couple of hours while they were in errands
0: yeah and
1: let me just like be that was like my place or like bookstores and stuff like that
0: mm-hmm. so uh
1: yeah so like that that love for books was very cultivated at a young age um I still have several of the books that I grew up with so you know think of like like kids book and stuff like that I still have those books and those are memories that I keep I remember my parents would read to my brother and I we were younger and um so I've always gravitated towards books now I would say like lately things have slowed down in terms of reading for leisure but I will say that like my love for books has always been there and like Giver is probably one of one or if not one of my like favorite books and so um like, if it wasn't before, if it wasn't for my family, like, cultivating that love of knowledge and, like, words, I don't think I would be here today, and so, like, I see a lot of my friends who, like, never didn't have that kind of upbringing, like, you know, the most they'll ever do is watch a movie of a book, and and that will be their experience, but there's just something about books and words and the way they are, like, put together that just form this beautiful story that, like, you know, oftentimes I'm just, like, how can people like write like this and realize that like, it just like, it just like, even when I was reading this book, it was, I was getting emotional. Like it was bringing up a lot of these like childhood experiences and like feelings and like, and like the giver, it's a short read, but like, it's a very powerful read.
0: Ron, and- I, yeah, this, this book is just like, I read it almost in one sitting. I I did have to put it down because I was starting to get sleepy, but And I didn't want to miss what was going to happen, but it's, it's just so intense, this book. Um, And and I can't wait to like really talk about it. Now, you know, you said that some of your, I just have one more question about your reading life here. Well, at least probably one more, Um, you know, you've said it slowed down, but like, would you say that that love of reading was like consistent throughout most of your life? until recently, because of school? Or did you go through periods of time where you weren't as enamored with literature or reading as you were at a previous time in your life?
1: Yeah, I've always had a consistent love for reading. I've always made it a focal point to prioritize or make it a priority for me to read that. Um, I would say at school is the reason why it has slowed down, you know, you know, after you read, like, school books and just studying all the time, like, the last thing you want to do is, like, read something that's super deep, that your emotions are already, like, at the very edge of the, of how, of the, of the the way you're feeling, and, um, yeah, and all you really want to do is some, like, mindless TV, but, you know, I always make it a point to, like, read, and sometimes it's, you know, lately it's been, like, oh, I have the summer now, I'm not in classes, I can focus more on reading, and so, you know, the summer is really meant for, like, picking up a book and reading it for leisure or reading it for like that love of reading. And um, yeah, but that love of reading has never disappeared. Like it has never gone away. It will never go away. And I hope to like pass it down to kids if I'm ever uh, lucky to have kids and stuff like that. so, yeah, I um, it slowed down just because, you know I have to read other critical work that's like, you know, for the dissertation but like in terms of like just reading you know, sometimes I'll, sometimes I want to start a new book. I'll go back to one of my favorite books just because I know well, it Like, What
0: me. are some of your favorite books?
1: I mean, there's so many. Um, obviously, The Giver is definitely on there. Um, I love, there's just, there's a lot of children books I resonate with them because like that was what I grew up on. But there's this, it's called Charlie Bone series. It's kind of mm-hmm. similar to Harry Potter, but not really. Um, mm-hmm. it resonates, uh, really. Uh, well with me um so yeah those are just a couple of the books that you know like really stand out to me um i used to have like lists of books that um that i would like that those were my books and i i feel like i still have some of these books in my like list of books that i've given people over the years like these are the books that you have uh have to read and so if if i can remember where i put this list like i used to keep a list of all the books that are like we're like so yeah you know, i'd be
0: really interested in this list actually yeah
1: and so you know i wish it was a little bit more organized because you know people use like goodreads and stuff like that and i wish i just like did that because then i can keep track of everything that i've read in my life but well why yeah. don't you uh you know i think reading for me is very personal sure and so yeah putting yeah. it out there for people to see what my feelings are what my readings are like personally, I just think like reading is very sacred to me and like the people that yeah. I feel like I want to share that passion with or make people I'm really close with. So like you or other people in my life, like, I feel like it's like the oral tradition, like of passing it down, like word to mouth, instead of having it written down, yes. um, it's kind of like how I've been raised. And so, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's like,
0: no, I, I under, I understand what you're saying there. I mean, I definitely use Goodreads and now I use a new one called Storygraph. Oh, nice. Um, I I do like to sort of see what other people are reading. Um, That's just one of my interests in general is like I'm fascinated by what, what books draw people and what can we learn about people from these books that draw people. Did you find your list?
1: I'm still looking for it, but I will say that like, A lot of my books that I read when I was younger that hit hit differently now Um, just because I'm older um, but
0: so you do a lot of rereading
1: I do like to do a lot of rereading of books that like maybe haven't read since I was a child Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah um, yeah I like to do a lot of rereadings of books that that, I mean, there was like a book. Okay. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like alien for breakfast, lunch and dinner or something like that. It was like a children's series. Mm-hmm. Like I read that book again and that hit differently. Like it was really fast read, but like I remember going to school and they used to have like the Selastic book fairs and that was yeah. like, yeah, that like, I love that. And so I remember like, I would just spend all my time at that place, like writing down, filling out, asking my parents, how much can, how many books can I get? Like mm-hmm. this list. Like, yeah, so, I mean, I'll have to look for that list and provide it, but, um, yeah, I, I've i learned that, like, I have so many books to read, but sometimes, just going back to a book that you haven't read in years, like, makes you feel this level of nostalgia, and, um, yeah, and then, it just, like, it, I don't know, it, like, brings warmth to me, like, it brings a lot of, like, feelings growing up, plus, it oh, it makes me reflect on, like, when I was reading those books when I was a child I was in a different point in my life and how I didn't have words to describe kind of the way I was feeling growing up and you know books were that outlet and so now like looking back and reflecting on that like it just hits different and Uh um I make it makes me like man you were so resilient as a child like and books were your way to like cope with trauma cope with world events that things that impacted you. And yeah, I just um, yeah. And like reading the giver, like it like brought up so much of that Um, because I haven't read this book in so long. And so you reread it. I reread it. I haven't read it in years. And I know I had a copy somewhere and it took me a moment to figure out where I put it, but I found it and um, I'm glad I did. So
0: why did you choose this book? Why is this a book that like so resonated with you that when I asked you a book you want to read, this is the book you said?
1: Yeah, so there are like a couple of reasons. There is this theme of like feeling and emotion Mm -hmm. that are Mm -hmm. kind of like central themes of of the book. And Mm talking about this like a community that, you know, in the book talks about this community that doesn't really understand emotion or pain. And I realized that like to feel human, that you have to be able to experience both the kind of the good emotions and the bad emotions. And, you know, I go back to my childhood. Like I had a lot of like mixed emotions, things I couldn't put words. And so that's why it resonated so much with me because like this book was talking about like, Hey, let me just take away this like pain. You all live in this same community, and you don't have to endure any of this like trauma and pain. But then you lose who you are and your identity as an individual. And I just felt that like by like taking away feeling and emotion, like you lose who you are, you lose your identity. And and so, like seeing the main character, Jonas, kind of going through this like realization and progression and growth really resonates with me and so that's the reason I chose this book this like feeling emotion and um huh. yeah like that like that was the main reason why I chose this book because I feel like it has a way to like make people feel and at some point I feel like there is a moment in this book that anyone can relate to whether it happens to be this feeling and emotion or feeling about like freedom and choice, like these options, or like individual versus society. I feel like somewhere in this book is a story that someone can resonate with, um, or a theme that can resonate with. And um yeah, it's one of those books that you can't put down after you start reading it. And yeah. I think, it, go ahead. Yeah, and I think there's and I think there's there are, I think, in my opinion, you might you might think it's different, but I think there are very few books that can just capture you with words. And I think this is one of those books that just can capture you and make you feel all the feels um, and just beautiful writing.
0: It really is stunning. I, you know, what you said here about the fact that this is a book about emotions and that on a certain level, the, the fact that the receiver it's their job to contain all of the negative emotions and to an extent, all of the positive emotions. So it's almost like these folks are automatons and I'm thinking about it, it. It doesn't read that way. Right. Like, but the way you just said it made me think about this book differently already, which is why I like talking about books with people because you there's this scene in the book where one of the things that happens every day in the family unit is that when you sit down at dinner, you talk about your feelings, right? This is like one of the like societal rules is that everyone shares their feelings. And Jonas, once he becomes receiver and he starts understanding the complexity of human feelings, like the complexity of anger or pain or love, Realizes that this exercise is not really uh, true, right? That, like, his sister, in fact, did not feel anger. No, did not. Or that his father or mother did not really feel frustration because they don't understand what those feelings actually mean. It's like it's been programmed out of the people in the community to understand what feelings are. So That is not something I had really thought about. I I picked up on the theme of feelings, but I hadn't thought about it as you lose your humanity if you don't have access to thinking about your feelings.
1: Yeah, and so like there's this quote in the book that I think both of us maybe resonated with, but uh, there's a couple, but this is the one that really, the worst part of holding the memories is not the pain, it's the loneliness of it, memories need to be shared. And I think that mm. like not being able to share those memories and being able to connect with humans, um, you lose that humanity. And so you can see Jonas um, like feeling that loneliness and those memories that only he can relate to besides the other giver or the other receiver. And so knowing wanting so badly with his two friends uh, to connect with them in that level and having that deeper connection not being able to have that you know just proves the point that memories do need to be shared and that 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 memories are a connection to feelings and emotion and um yeah and uh and so by by like creating this like uniformity of like sameness you know you take away choices um and decisions that you get to make you get to take away that kind of that human element of decision-making and so a friend very close to me you know had said that like life is all about making choices and choices can make a determination you know of who you are and how you move forward in life and I think that ties back to kind of feeling and emotion and so yeah and then I mean there's even a quote in there that's saying that even talks about like wanting to wake up and um make decisions. And, you know, it's the choosing that that's important. So yeah, and I think by making everything kind of the same and taking away that emotion and, and feeling, you know, you're, you're taking away the choosing aspect.
0: So there's a protective element, right? Like the, the society seems to have made a decision that it's going to make a series of choices for people so that they are protected from danger or they are protected from pain. And it's, it's all kinds of things. It's everything from who your partner in life will be to what your profession is, to what you wear, to when you're able to ride a bicycle to, you know, I mean, just literally every single decision is made for you by the society. Um, and it's, it's really a protective mechanism that the society put in place. Right.
1: Yes. They definitely, they definitely put it in a way to like cure. And so people wouldn't have to feel like hunger and, you know, pain, right. and feeling shame. Like they want to take that away. So that way that, you know, this one person society can be the holder of that and help guide them. But I think there's, and you know, you, throughout the book, you see Jonas, struggling with this thing where he's like you know i like seeing that like like people need need don't it's going back to like the human element like people need the bad experiences and the hurt and stuff to really feel and and feel that and i i don't know this but there is this protective element here but like who are you protecting it from who are you protecting these individuals from experiences and, you know, it made me think about like, you know, um, some of the things that they were doing to protect uh, the uh, protect the society, like, you know, releasing people, um, you know, which is what was a form of killing, like, and how horrific that is, but not even knowing that is something that's horrific, like not even knowing that, like that's so robotic and there's no feeling to that you just like that goes back to my point of like losing the human element like this like idea of sameness and the eliminate kind of differences of its members and so you know individualism is discouraged (laughs) everyone's the same
0: well i i I mean there's a lot that we have to unpack there Uh, you know the one thing is that and and it ties to this loss of feeling and it ties to the choice. You brought up this concept of release, right? When people are released from the community and, you know, I thought that one of the most painful scenes in the book was this scene where Jonas watches the tape of his father releasing one of the twin boys yeah. And and realizes that what releasing means is not that the child gets sent to another community, but that in fact, the child gets euthanized, gets killed.
1: Yeah.
0: and And then also comes to realize that when old people get released, what actually happens is the community has decided that they're going to kill them. Yeah. And, you know, what was, first of all, that is just such an emotional scene because the way even that it's printed in the book, at least in my version is that, you know, like she uses italics or the publisher used italics um, when he realizes that his father had killed the, had killed the twin. Um, But it was more later when he goes home and he sits down for dinner with his father and his father shows absolutely no emotion that he had yeah. to do this thing. That he had oh. to kill this baby.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting is that it hits even more home for Jonas when, you know, the Gabe, who is a little child that's staying with their family is meant to be released and how that level of feeling, emotion and reality kicks in for him and the plan that they had to to escape and release all the memories went out the window. And um, I think also that was a a key moment when, when Jonas realized that like someone is that he's very close to is about to die. And so having to, you know, take it into his own hands to rewrite kind of the history uh yeah and so you see that happening and just you know it makes me think of that you as the receiver right are are the holder of all the memories and that releasing is happening every single day and that you are the only one knows in that moment that that that's killing and the feeling and the agony and the loneliness like that sits with me so much when i read that part and um,
0: uh, that yet, you're the only one who knows that it's killing. Yeah. So because emotion is devoid or is, is absent in all of these people, they don't really have any sense that what they're doing is morally incorrect.
1: Right. They just don't know. And you can see that in the conversation when Jonas is really upset in that moment when the the one of the twin is released just because being of a lesser weight by like two ounces by two ounces and you can just see kind of the horror on his face and the giver going but you understand they don't know anything different this is their reality Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and just having jonas and he's only 12 like if we think about 12 12 year old like having to process that as a 12 year old yeah like that shit's crazy. And, um, yeah, like, and you can just see, like, you can just see that, like the feelings and about all of what he has known to, to be living with all his life is gone out the window because he, got feeling, feelings and emotion was introduced and realized that, yes, there are feelings that are like the negative feelings, but there are also those feelings of positive and warmth and love that like, Yes, we should. I think we should have these feelings as well because they bring a a sense of purpose. At least in my opinion, a sense of purpose, a sense of living. Um, Yeah, I, I just like, I just, I, 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 I would probably say the hardest part for me in the whole book is that moment where the twins are released and the video is being shown. I feel like that is the moment where. Kind of Jonas's innocence leaves, oh. like his childhood, like innocence leaves, and like the adult, like this shit's real. Like comes into like, comes into his body. Like he embodies like, oh shit! Like this whole time I thought like release was the celebration, but in reality I'm we're killing people and killing people for stupid things. Like oh you you break the rules three times you get released shit like you steal something three times you get more food you get released or you know you you're you're old just because you're old like you're going to get released or yeah yeah. so like I think that was the moment where I I think for me was very vivid where I can picture it happening but then seeing Jonas's reaction shows me that the innocence that he had in that society has gone out the window and kind of the reality of like how they do things and you know it makes me think of like you know, there have been several receivers for generations and generations, the way that the book meant, like how lonely it is to have all those feelings and emotions and not being able to talk to anyone about it. And and that's where it goes back to that quote where like memories are meant to be shared because I think like, I don't know if I could do that, if I was, if I could do that. And so, you know, they talk about the giver's daughter, Rosemary, who who asked to be released because I just genuinely think she couldn't handle it anymore because of of how well he
0: yeah I mean he says well one question I had for you and I don't know if this is like important or not but I mean do you think Rosemary is really his like real biological daughter or do you think that Rosemary was like he's referring to her as a daughter in the sense of She was the one who was selected the last time and she ended up asking to be released, which is why they changed the rules to say you can't ask to be released if you're the receiver.
1: So I definitely think in my personal opinion, I think that there was some sort of connection prior to her being selected as the new receiver in terms of their relationship, whether that happened to be that person that the giver's child that he raised. Or I just felt like there's a there was a connection prior to her being chosen as the new receiver that they had. Um, so that just that is my opinion. I don't know if that's true or not of how the author intended it to be, but I do believe there was some sort of relationship prior, whether they raised them or um, like I don't know. I just feel like there's some sort of like connection.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, one of the one of the reasons that I think this book is quite powerful and obviously has staying power is because you know Lois Lowry intentionally leaves a lot of these questions up to the reader and in fact you know I, I put this on the quote sheet because there's um there's a a great quote in the in my copy Lois Lowry wrote an introduction I guess it's like a 20th anniversary edition or something mm-hmm. and she says that, you know, a book is is sacrosanct, such an individual and private thing, the reader brings his or her own history and beliefs and concerns, and reads in solitude, creating each scene from his own imagination, as he does. And, um, and that's why, like, you know, I, I just asked, because for me, I don't think that Rosemary was actually like his biological daughter. I think that he just referred to her as a daughter because he really only had, because he, he was the only one capable of having feelings to be able to understand what an actual daughter relationship would be.
1: Right.
0: Like a, like a father daughter relationship. Nobody Nobody else in the community has the ability to understand anything on those levels because they don't have biological children.
1: Right.
0: They have these people. I mean, this is very handmaid's tale to a certain extent. You know, they have birth mothers who give birth to these babies. They're raised for a year and then they're given to a family. And it seems like there's only 50 people per year um, who get children and they're only allowed one son and one daughter. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um,
1: but I think it goes back to that quote you just read that like, the reader brings their own history, beliefs, concerns, there, and, and kind of create those different scenes in their own imagination. And I think that's perfectly fine. And I think that it is perfectly beauty. fine. And I think it's the beauty of the way the author has has wrote, Lois Lowry has wrote this book that like kind of leaves it up to the the reader. Um, And I think a lot of people can't do that and she does that beautifully.
0: It, yeah, I, you know, you said that for you, the scene. So, so I wanna explain to you like what this book did to me, man, because I was, and you can ask Derek this, um, my partner, I was distraught after I read this, like I sat down, I guess this was probably is today, Thursday. So I sat down probably maybe on like Monday or yeah, it must've been Monday that I, I sat down and I was like ready to go. I knew this wasn't going to be a hard read. So I I laid down in bed in the afternoon, I started reading, I'm plowing through the book, I'm plowing through the book. And and then I got to, you know, I was really intrigued by the whole dystopian nature of it. Like I said, I was surprised. I thought the book was about something different. And then it was like actually about this dystopian society and it's kind of sci-fi-y. And so I'm really into it. And then Jonas gets selected as receiver And he starts getting, he starts receiving the memories. So I'm like, okay, what's, you know, like, I'm really intrigued by the whole thing. And the first memory is, you know, experiencing cold. They have no seasons in this place that they live. They've created a climate controlled environment, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm remembering my own experiences growing up in the North, like sledding Mm -hmm. while I'm doing it. Right. It's very visceral. You feel the cold air, you feel the wetness, all this kind of stuff. Um, I'm able to bring that my own memory to that reading. But man, for me, I had to put the book down once I got to pages 126 and 127, which is this is kind of like the start of him learning about bad memories. Yeah. And it's this memory of the massacre of the elephant.
1: Yeah.
0: For Ron, it screwed me up. <laughs> I would say the F word, but you know I'm going to put this out in the real world, and I don't want Amazon <laughs> to to uh, tell me that I can't put it out because it's explicit. But <laughs> no, it really, it really screwed me up when I got to page one twenty six and one twenty seven. Um, and I, I think I, I I think I put this in the notes that I sent you Mm -hmm. is that to me, this is one of the most beautiful passages of literature that I have ever read. Just this one little section, even though it is incredibly painful, it's also incredibly beautiful. So the, for those who haven't read the book, the, you know, the memory that uh, Jonas is receiving is is an elephant getting slaughtered for ivory. Um, And so there's this vivid description of uh, the tusks being cut away from the dead elephant that, and blood everywhere and all of this kind of stuff, the men leave. And then this is the part that I just, I I had to put the book down and I was screwed up for the rest of the day was, and I'm going to read it because it's very beautiful. This is Jonas remembering the memory. Now he saw another elephant emerge from the place where it had stood hidden in the trees. Very slowly, it walked to the mutilated body and looked down. With its sinuous trunk, it stroked the huge corpse. Then it reached up, broke some leafy branches with a snap, and draped them over the mass of torn, thick flesh. Finally, it tilted its massive head, raised its trunk, and roared into the empty landscape. Jonas had never heard such a sound. It was a sound of rage and grief, and it seemed never to end. Mm. Man, I, even now, I get, my eyes are watering. Yeah. That is so painful. Yeah. And for me, like, man, you know, when I read that the other day and then I'm reading it now and it is just like, that is what makes, like you said, how does someone create that visual imagery of this elephant mourning the death of its elephant friend or partner or family member or whatever the case is. And I just can't handle it. And I could not sleep on Monday night because of that. I was like literally so upset and, and it, 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 because it just, it shows us, how terrible we are, yeah, as a species to other living things on the planet, not just to other humans, but to other living things, and just like all, and then all the other memories that he ends up getting, you know, re- that he ends up receiving about war and hunger and just all this kind of stuff. It is man for I just I kind of cursed you out a little bit because <laughs> I was like, this book is not, it's just, it's very painful yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. It's a very, very painful read. And then I, and then I was thinking about, you know, this is a young adult book. This is yeah. like a book for like 12 or 13 year old kids. And I just thought, God, how do you, how do you teach this to children?
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's important. Obviously it's incredibly important, but how would you even go about teaching it?
1: Yeah. I, I don't have an answer to that, but I feel like, and this is the beauty of it that I feel like it causes you, it causes people emotion and feelings, which is a central key point of the whole book. And so it makes you realize kind of things about society. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I will say that maybe, you know, as a 12 year old, I, I, it made me feel, but I think going back now, like it makes me feel even more. I You read able, it as a child? I read this book as a child.
0: You read it for school or you read it just of your own accord?
1: I read it because it was on approved reading list for um, accelerated reader. Uh, uh-huh. remember, it was just like on the list of like books that you might want to read. I was like, oh, The Giver, like, well, I wonder what that's a book about. Checked it out and literally like i think i maybe read that book like two or three times in that same week because it's a fast read and it is but it it hits deep as you know and so yeah i had never heard of this uh this book um prior to that and uh yeah it it i will definitely say it's the book that also like i remember the most of all, any book that I've ever read like mm-hmm. I mean for multiple reasons but just the way like it makes you feel in the moment you know I read it I felt a lot but like thinking now like maybe I wouldn't have thought as a 12 year old or 10 year I don't remember when I was like 10 or 11 when I read it about the tusk and the, the elephant like that hits deeper now than it did back then because I'm older and I understand that more but it made me feel, it still makes me feel, I got emotional reading it.
0: Oh, it's it's so emotional. I mean, even, you know, so I put the book down and I, I I just couldn't anymore on Monday night. And then like I told you, I did not sleep very well. And then Tuesday, um, you know, I finished it. And when I was done, I was just like, I was just pacing in the apartment. Yeah, And, um, you know, there, I, I can really say this, like, there are very few books in the world that have ever made me like, I don't want to say it's like speechless, but it's just like, it, it's so visceral to me, what happens in this text that I was, I just, I was, ugh, I was like tense and stressed out and, And the ending is so ambiguous, you know, you don't really like know so many things, uh, at the end and you want to like figure these things out. And so I was like pacing the apartment and Derek's like, what is wrong with you? Like, it's just a book, you know? And I'm like, no, Derek, this is not like, this is like, uh, this is like some other shit, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, there's so many things to process about what happens in this, in the, at the end of this book, even, um,
1: it leaves you wanting more. And, and at
0: the same time it leaves me not wanting more like right. it's it's powerful enough that i don't necessarily need to like know you know like the, the the way the story ends and sorry plot alert you know spoilers we always do that on this podcast but it's mm-hmm. you know the way that the, the the story ends is is just literally like Jonas and Gabe ride a sled down a hill
1: and they reach elsewhere
0: and they reach elsewhere. Yeah. And you have to wonder, well what is elsewhere?
1: Yeah. And you know, it's it's interesting is because that memory that Jonas had of going down was the same memory that the giver had given him. Yes. That's how he knew that the sled was there at the top of the hill. And which makes you
0: wonder if the if the
1: giver is also prophetic. Right, right. An oracle. Yeah. Yeah. I um and so I the reason I say, you know, leaves you wanting more is because I want to know what happened to Gabe, what happened to Jonas? Did they like give all the memories back? Is everyone fine in society now? Like, but then I think that's the beauty of the author, is where she leaves it up to you to imagine what that looks like.
0: Well, I think there's also an open question of what happens to the place that they left. Yeah. Because the whole idea behind what him and the giver decided to do was that if he leaves, all those memories that he received would be given back to the people. Right. And they would have to deal with them. And the whole idea is that the giver is going to stay and help people to deal with the trauma. I mean, it would be traumatizing yeah. of understanding all of this pain, but also, you know, we're spending a lot of time on the pain part. What really instigated this for Jonas was the feeling of love. Yeah. It was the memory of seeing a family together with multiple generations.
1: Grandparents. Yeah.
0: Grandparents that Jonas says, well, why can't we have that, right? Like, yeah, there's pain, but also why
1: can't we have love in our lives? And then you can see that when he asks his father, do you love me? And you can see that like the response was not what he thought it was. And also just shows the way that the, the utopian society has used language to kind of control this like sameness, like words like love are out uh obsolete like they're ambiguous they're broad and so yeah. yeah um and that's when I go back to to like why emotion and feeling are so important because like you you lose like Jonas didn't even know prior to getting that feeling like what love was what was a feeling of grandparents the feeling of warmth like he would never have known that if he hadn't gotten the memories of that and so like yeah and just that's where i go back to like like you know this this like saying like um is it worth giving up the experience of like beauty and joy and in love in order to just end pain and suffering
0: this is one of the questions you wrote
1: this is one of the questions i've been grappling with say it again So is it worth giving up the experience experience of beauty and joy and love in order to end pain and suffering? Because that's literally what they did in this society. Mm -hmm. And my question is, it is not worth it.
0: That's your response.
1: That is my response.
0: So, I mean, you know, one of the things that you said, and I'd be interested in you just reflecting on this, you said at the beginning of the podcast that you used reading as a child, as a way to escape loneliness and suffering.
1: Yeah.
0: And here we have a book that has as its central theme, the idea that we could end pain and suffering.
1: Yeah.
0: How do those resonate for you?
1: I think for me, where, where I would want to take kind of pain and suffering is that you lose, like, I'm a strong believer in the power of choosing and the power of feeling and having that being taken away from you, like, was kind of the straw for me, like, you know, I, I just like I just can't fathom a life where, like, you lose who I am by just, like, ending pain and suffering. So, yeah, and then in terms of, like, you know, I use reading as an escape and having to deal with kind of, my my pain and, like, struggles and stuff like that. For me, the books showed me, like, showed me the joy and beauty of, like, an alternative, like, reality of, like, how it could be in terms of um like yes I'm feeling this way in this moment but I know it gets better mm-hmm. or in my mind at the time was like i I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is just me just a test that I have to deal with in terms of like the pain I'm feeling that it'll get better and then the books showed me those endings of how like like the good guy won or like the good person won or um the happily ever after and um and then like even this book you're thinking about it like at the very end like I think for me what I like reflects most is that the Jonas's growth from the time that he started to the end it's very similar to kind of like like, even though, like, my story is not similar to his at all, but I just feel, like, the growth of it as an individual, like, well, why can't we have love, warmth, and stuff like that, and feelings, and emotion, like, I, like, really resonate with him, and I don't really know if that answers your thing question, but, like, it, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: you know, the, the, Part of the reason that I'm thinking about this is because, you know, there is this moment, and I think you pulled one of these quotes out actually, where once um, I think it's this quote right here. Once Jonas made the decision to leave with Gabe and, and they're escaping and they're, you know, and then they they get out into the quote unquote, you know, real world and they're cold and they're hungry. And, you know, it's, it's this, it's this whole, it is this whole thing about choice. Like the whole reason society got rid of choice is to not only to protect you from pain, but also to make it so that you don't make the wrong choice. Yeah. And, and, you then know, that, maybe you, maybe you can read this quote from page 217.
1: So I'm going to read this quote. So it was as simple as that. Once he had yearned for choice, then when he had a choice, he had made the wrong one, the choice to leave. Mm -hmm. Now he was starving, but if he had stayed, and then the thoughts continue, if he had stayed, he would have starved in other ways. He would have lived a life hungry for feelings, for color, for love. And I think that ending on page 218, that quote, like, I think for me, like, I would feel the same way. I'd be hungry for feeling love and color. And so the power of choosing, like, I think makes you human.
0: The power of choosing makes you human.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, I, th- there's another part of the story in terms of choice that I think, again, really intriguing to write for a young adult novel. Probably really difficult for a teacher to teach, I would think. I wouldn't know how to handle this. And this is, this is the whole conversation in the book about sex. Yeah, and adolescence, what they call the stirrings,
1: the stirrings,
0: um, and they've concocted some sort of pill that basically cuts off your libido. It cuts off your, it probably you know does something to cut off your testosterone or estrogen levels and makes it so that you don't have any sort of emotive response. And I thought that um, this you know jonas seems to have a thing for this fiona character and mm-hmm. he purposely stops taking his pill in order to allow that feeling to develop and i just thought that it was such a it was such a fascinating thing for him even to share his dream about wanting to give a bath to Fiona, like, a, yeah. cause they had, they had worked at the old people's house. And that was mm-hmm. one of the quotes that I had pulled out was that, you know, Jonas had shared his dream and his father had said, can you describe the strongest feeling in your dream son? And Jonas says the, the wanting.
1: Yeah.
0: I knew that she wouldn't. And I think I knew that she shouldn't, but I wanted it so terribly. I could feel the wanting all through me
1: yeah yeah that's so vivid like so like and I think that goes back to like you're taking away like an experience and a feeling of like w- what it means to be I mean, we all we've all felt that way like we've all gone through that and so to take away like is taking away a piece of who you are and yeah um and you know thinking about like the the pills and like sex and stuff like that thinking about like they the communities decided who you would marry who you're compatible with you they would choose you know like the child if you were given one like all these choices were made for you and like i don't know like um it like rubbed me the wrong way
0: (laughs) well i mean it's dystopian but i you know I think part of the reason that I was thinking about that section was not just because how do you talk to kids about sex in, in a certain way? But I was also thinking about it in relation to the questions that, to the question that you asked. Um, and, you know, your question was, do you want to give up beauty and joy and love in order to end pain and suffering? Yeah. This idea of the stirring and, and the way that Jonas describes it as a wanting is, is also, it also means that you would be giving up desire.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: I think desire is an interesting, complicated set of emotions that sort of comes up in the book like there's some concept of desire in the terms of when they're preparing for the ceremony of 12 Mm -hmm. they talk you know jonas is thinking like well there are certain jobs i don't want to be given right like i don't want to work at the fish hatchery for example right um (laughs) but 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 there's just there's not the sense of like the desire to want something For yourself. And so I don't know. I don't know what the question is, but I just, I I think there's like some complicated stuff going on there with maybe a question about individual need versus community need. Mm -hmm. And I'm still grappling with it because I think, you know, on some level, this community is very interdependent. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a place. It's nice to be in an interdependent community. It's nice to not be selfish, right? There's, there's things about this that are like utopian in some way. Uh, it's nice to not go around bragging, for example, right? Like there's this point where it's like, well, you can't really brag about your accomplishments. Um, And yet that steals all of your individuality.
1: Yeah. It's individual versus society or individual versus like community. And uh, yeah, so like your individual nature of of things is taking away. Everything is made for you. Yeah.
0: So I just, you know, I wonder what the larger theme is there that she's trying to grapple with, as so many of these books try to do, these dystopian books are really trying to always grapple with these larger moral and social questions around issues related to the needs of a society, when are people being selfish, when is it bad for the species... I mean I don't know I just think I think it's a really complicated question that the book left me with.
1: Yeah, personally. Yeah. This the kind of the the importance of the individual.
0: Yeah, and I mean but also the importance of the community and like at when when do we risk when is it okay for us to give up our individuality in order for the needs of the community to be met? In other words, you know, and it goes back to the question of desire. When is what I desire more dangerous for the community than me tamping down my desires? But also when does the community cutting off my ability to fulfill my desires, my dreams, whatever the case is, when does that make the community immoral does that make sense
1: i'm working through it as we talk right and i think i go back to like you're not even giving a uh, you're not given a choice to even have that conversation or that question that choice to be made it's already made for you so your desires your way of like choosing whether it's like a blue tunic or a red tunic, like everything's just taken away from you. So like, you don't even know that you have these desires. Right. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know when when it is right to like have your desires more than the community and vice versa. And how that's going to impact the each other if it's more detrimental to the thing. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. No, there's not a right or wrong answer.
0: I I think more what I was saying was that, like, if you really start to dissect the book. Right. Just in that that way, it made me think about, you know, Jonas made this choice. And, you know, we're talking about... Let me work through it, man, because I don't... (laughs) You know, we're talking about how like the community is structured in a way where all of your choice is taken away.
1: Right.
0: So all of your desires, all of your ability to understand complex feelings and emotions, and in, in other words, to be human is dictated to you by the community. Now you right. don't have any knowledge of that. The only person who has knowledge of that is Jonas and the giver. Right. Right. The question I'm grappling with is the decision that Jonas makes and, or really that Jonas and the, and the giver make is in some way similar to the decisions that the community was making.
1: Yeah. That's
0: what I'm saying is I'm saying like Jonas's desire to share these complex feelings with others leads him to make a choice
1: for the community,
0: for the community that will have some impact on the community. Right. We are led to believe that the impact will be traumatic because people do not have any sense of the way that the world used to be. Right. So for me, it's an ethical question that the book raises about is is it actually ethically and morally correct for them to make that decision for a whole group of other people? Right. The same way that you have to grapple with, was it ethically and morally correct for people in past generations to make the decision that we were gonna go to this homogeneous environment? And there's not a right answer there, but it just, it's very complex because, you know, I think, wow, like, I don't know. Right if it's correct or not.
1: Right. Yeah, because maybe that was I mean that was probably the reason why the community had decided like they didn't want to have feelings and emotion. They didn't want to have that pain. So they made the decision long ago. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know I don't know if it was ethically or morally correct. Uh but I do know that Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I know that it's a hard question, um, uh, whether it's cause I mean, they're essentially doing kind of the same thing that the community did making a decision for, for a group of people. Um, and you know, this thing makes me think of like power dynamics and, um, like all these things and like, I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, and you, you mentioned earlier, this is a kid's book <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Well, it's written with children in mind or young adults, I would say,
0: in mind. I would say that anybody should read the book because oh, yeah. the questions are just so intense. You know, another. Uh, I, th-
1: go ahead. I will say, based on my personal opinion, and now I'm super biased, I think they did make the right decision. There's no right or wrong answer, but if you just ask me, my opinion: Whether yes, should they have done it or not? Then they know they shouldn't have done it. Hell yeah, I think they should have done it, and I'm glad they did that.
0: Hmm. Because See, I, I'm not, I'm not so willing to make a commitment one way or the other. I'm more just like trying to, yeah, I I like living in that tension filled space and thinking, you know, well, it's not really as easy as we think it is on either side, if they had made the, you know, because think about it, if they had made the decision to just let things go on the way that they were going on, then Gabe would have been killed
1: yeah,
0: because he would have been released. And Jonas would have gone on to leading a life of tremendous pain and suffering and probably solitude and loneliness and all of these types of things, which is a whole other theme of the book. That um. That really raises questions. Which is, does does having knowledge lead to suffering?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's a good question. Because the because in the book, the the community doesn't know what they don't know.
0: Right, they have no access to books.
1: No access-, no access to history yeah. yeah i
0: don't i don't know
1: yeah yeah you, you don't know
0: because it's like you of course it leads to suffering Right? Like when you read about the elephant getting killed, when you read the scene of figuring out about the war, or, you know, Jonas experiencing war, experiencing this child, it seems like it was a child soldier of some sort Mm -hmm. who's killed on the battlefield. Um, It's painful. And you think maybe if I don't know about those things, it would just make life a whole hell of a lot easier.
1: Yeah, but it kind of goes back to like, I think of today's society, like today's, like if people like choose not to know what's going on in the world, like in different countries, like you can't just live in this like, hey, just I'm just gonna pretend I don't know anything. And so then I won't get impacted when you know, there are like children and women, children getting murdered in different countries. And right underneath our noses, though, so, yeah, like, knowledge can lead to suffering, but, like, at the end of the day, like, you have to ask yourself, like, you know, like, the guiltiness, do you do you not feel any guilty for, like, pretending, whether you know, you know, like, that's how I look at it, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and so I don't know, I, I would rather... I, I would rather know everything than not know anything.
0: Some deep stuff, friend. Well, it is, it's very complicated. I mean, I, I agree with you, like, you know, to to be ignorant of things that are going on in the world, particularly things around pain and suffering.
1: Yeah.
0: In today's day and age seems just very bad. And yet I think that we make choices every day. It's like, I'll tell you a story for Okay. Um, I feel like, okay, let me start over. So last night we were, um, I was, uh, hanging out with Derek, uh, for mm-hmm. and we were talking about, I was saying that I felt like I had been reading a lot of stuff that was like super heavy. And we have been watching shows this summer mm-hmm. that I feel are like incredibly difficult, um, to digest. And I, I just wonder like, if this is like the best thing for me to be doing, right? Like I'm, I'm creating these kind of like psychologically traumatizing uh, things in my life by watching these shows and watching, you know, reading these books that I think have just, for some reason, it's just what's going on right now in the ether. And, And I said to him, I said, you know, Derek, I really want I I want to find a a show or a, or a series or something that is easy or that like feels good as opposed, as opposed to always feeling like, damn, this stuff is like so screwed up. Everything's a mess or whatever. And I can do that. I mean, I'm sure I can find a series like that, or I'm sure I could go and start reading a bunch of books that don't have to deal with complicated topics, but it's just, you know, you you get stuck in this place of thinking, is that the right thing that I should be doing? Like, should I be ignoring all of this stuff that's going on around the world? I, you know, and I've told other people this too, like this year in general, like since January, I've been like avoiding the news.
1: Yeah.
0: I, because I just think that there's like, there's only so much a person can take. And I just feel like it's traumatizing. And it's also, it leaves you sometimes with a feeling of hopelessness because I'm like, I can't do anything about these problems. So I don't know. It's just, you know, the book makes you think about these types of things, or it made me think about these types of things in a particular way.
1: Yeah. I get that. Um, yeah. I think the book, yeah. I think the book raises a lot of complex questions and power of knowledge. And I, I would like to talk a little bit if we have time to talk. We about, have time. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to talk about like memory, like mm. the memory, um, mm-hmm. because I feel like m- I think that the the key thing with memory is like people like actively chose to give up give up their memories, like these memories to create and eliminate pain on their own. But I think without I think that Jonas throughout the, the book realizes that that without memories, a person can't really learn from mistakes or celebrate accomplishments, kind of know love or happiness. Or any other deep emotion or, or or growth as an individual, without these memories. And so, yeah, I think like, you know, memory isn't just like a mental exercise. like you know, in the book, you can see like when Jonas, you know, you know, feels like feels memories. Like when he feels like things about snow, right? He actually feels the cold. Like I think there is something about this concept of memory in the book. That, like, you know, I think the author like really emphasizes the preciousness of memory, like the author does, and like kind of how it's power, it, it has the power to really guide, influence, and in, like kind of enrich life. Um, I think that's just my personal take on like the concept of memory. Like, and that's how, like, you can see how Lowry at least emphasizes how memory is being, is being used.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good question. I don't know why I didn't think to talk about memory, but given that he's the receiver of memories,
1: yeah. So yeah, I I think there's just like this this notion of memory and like and it's connected to choice. It's connected to to feelings and emotion, but I think that what's sticking with me is like. That Jonas has this realization that, like, without memory, you can't learn, you can't make mistakes, you can't celebrate those accomplishments, and you can't really grow as an individual. And so I think that memories really and, and the thing author, like I said, like, but really memories really help influence, guide, and really enrich life. Like And you can see that, like, when the giver is asked about, um, like, if they should give allow each individual person, like, a family, an additional child, and, like, using as a guide to be, like, well, first thing that came to me was hunger, and then kind of the the piece where, like, the more people they have, the, the community, how it could uh, cause starvation, which can lead to warfare, like using memories as a way to influence and guide the individual's life. And it wasn't that they wanted to know the story behind that. They just wanted to know yes or no, but the giver had the memory to make those choices in terms of, you know, uh, learning from the mistakes and stuff like that to give that answer. Um, which I think that's really important that like you need to be able to have those memories because you can't grow from that. You can't learn from that. You can't learn from those mistakes. And so I think there's something about like this concept of memory, like that are really important, important uh, like theme of the book.
0: Yeah, I the thing that I'm thinking about in terms of the memory question that you ask has to do with, not just how individuals remember, but how we have cultural memory. Yeah. And, and how memory is passed down. I mean, this, this idea that he receives the memories from the giver as like an act of physical touch, right? Like they're, they're only, Jonas can only receive the memories when the, the giver is actually physically touching him. So there's, there is like an embodied notion of how memory functions. And then there's also this idea of cultural memory being passed down through books, right. you know, it's, he's the, the giver is the only one who has access to all of the history of the world, all of the literature, all of the knowledge, um, the poetry, whatever. And that is, you know, is a different way of thinking about like how we structure memory or even the scene where I was intrigued that his favorite scene was this scene of a family together at a holiday. It's quite obviously Christmas um, or a winter holiday of some sort. But I I was intrigued by the fact that like part of what made Jonas like that was because there's also the, the concept of like your family has a history. Yeah. And if you don't have generations of family, then you don't have the memory of your family unit.
1: Right. You don't have the the memories of uh of your your grandparents and the experiences. And so like those memories that are been passed down for you is a form of storytelling that is used to make decisions. So I think about like the memories, at least the Pakistani community that's been passed down or the Muslim community and the ancestors that have passed that down impact directly how I make decisions, how I live my life and choices that I make in this world and and things that I'm guide and value. And so, yeah, those memories, like by not having them, you're not able to have that kind of the full picture to to be able to do that. And so, yeah, I... I, um, this cultural knowledge that you have. And yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, but like, yes, that's where I agree with you.
0: I'm, I'm purposely on mute because Conway is barking. So oh, I'm, I'm trying to let this UPS truck leave and then I'm gonna to respond to you. He doesn't yeah. like the UPS truck, the poor thing.
1: Feel that for the UPS person too.
0: Well, they don't care. But Conway, just for some reason, gets very. Um, the. You know, the family units in the story don't have any really sort of. It just seems like they're the word I keep thinking of is like pods.
1: Yeah,
0: they don't. They don't have any emotive tissue connecting them. It's just like the father, the mother, the, the daughter, and the son. But I don't even know that they really... I'm trying to remember if they even call them daughter and son. I think they just call them child.
1: Yeah, I don't think they mention, like, daughter or son or anything like that at all. Which, you know, it's interesting, like, the book... Has like instances of like a like, like they have instances of like feelings, but like not deep feelings. And you know, Jonas, for example, shows um, shows an example of of feeling. You know, like when um, when he's in like the from when I remember is from when he's in like the home of the old or whatever it's called. The the he like is I think the woman's name is Larissa, like the old, like there's feeling that he has of like, of taking care of, of, of like he's already portrayed like having that feeling before he's even given kind of the feelings. And so like, I think that the society has like these like small surface level touch points of feelings, but there's certain people that just maybe have those feelings as well, but can't put a, like a, a word to it or like an expression to it. And that's because all the memories and those feelings have been taken away from them. Um, but I, I, I realized that when I was reading it this time that like Jonas had that, he had the, uh, like the concept of feeling prior to, um, you know, prior to like given- to becoming The becoming the receiver. The becoming the receiver, yes. And so that was like something that really resonated with me Um, what reading this book because I was like oh well that makes sense like like I I, like literally remember that was like the the main piece that resonated with me uh, was was that he had already feeling for this elderly person like giving her a bath and like putting it in that like I remember like wait Jonas has been having feelings like
0: which yeah which makes sense in in the context of how he was selected. Right. There's also this weird thing in the book about like the eye color. And I don't know if-
1: Yeah, the blue eye color.
0: Yeah, like everyone has dark eyes, except like Jonas doesn't. And then Gabe clearly is a child that's born. And so you do also have to like, that's another part of the book that's less left purposely ambiguous, is you have to wonder if Gabe
1: is also a receiver he i think he is because um okay spoiler alert uh there this book is actually a series of books and so the other books kind of unpack that but um yeah he is busy okay the other
0: books take up the storyline i knew that there were four books but i i didn't know if like these characters
1: come back it's loosely like and this is spoiler like one of the books mentions jonas in there but Another, I mean, it's all set within the same utopian kind of society and stuff, but um, different characters. But there is mention where like the final book talks about like Gabe and his relationship with his mother, like his biological mother.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. So
1: it like, it doesn't like really answer a lot of the questions that you want, but it does continue the story of like, what happened to the characters, at least Gabe post- um, Post, uh, this book, The Giver,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it it's it's weird. It doesn't like you don't get they get the second book is is like not mentioned the book people at all like Jonas and Gabe, but does talk about the society, mm-hmm. which is a different character. But then like the last later like the last two books actually kind of talk about Gabe and his mother. Hmm. Yeah. But I will okay. I will say I will say that The Giver is. Is the best of all, all of the four books.
0: Yeah, I put when I posted on social the other day, everyone was telling me I should read the other books. Um, yeah.
1: I think you should. I think you should. Uh, I think you should read it. Uh, I personally think like you didn't even like you said. Yeah, I don't think you even needed to write another book afterwards and be okay after the Giver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. But yeah but I was going to go back to like Jonas was already feeling because he already had that touch of like, in, like the level of intimacy and beauty, like with the elderly, like he had that in that scene um, that I, that I really resonated with me. Like he already feels. And then, yeah. And so like, yeah, Gabe had it. They had mentioned like a six year old um, girl named Kara had it as well, but they couldn't give it like give her. So like.
0: Because she's been, too young. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so that makes me think of like, okay, so how are these people like, how do they get, how do these people have the, like the, like the, the seeing beyond, like, how do they have that? How are they born with it? Like, how do they get all the memories into one person? So I had my mind racing on like a completely different way as well, thinking like, I need the backstory of how they became like, I need a story of them making that decision.
0: Of them of, making what decision?
1: Of going to sameness, that like getting rid of like, I think I would love to see that story, like a prequel to this.
0: Really? Yeah. I don't know if I want a prequel. But, I mean, I understand what you're saying in the sense of, like, how did they decide that they were going to get rid of feeling, get rid of, like, you know, all this kind of stuff. It is an yeah. intriguing question.
1: And it's just me because, like, I'm just one of those persons that like, don't really do well with ambiguity and, like, leaving it up to your own imagination. I just really? just I like prefer, like, I don't like cliffhangers, not a big thing. I like to know exactly what happened. And um, yeah, like that's the reason, like, I felt sometimes this book just ended all of a sudden, like it, like he takes Gabe and they go to elsewhere and it just ends. Like, tell me more, like what happened to their life? Did they live old? And have children of their own and like shit like that. Like, oh, excuse my language. I know this is oh, a shit is no.
0: fine. Shit is fine. I think it's okay. Yeah. I so try to fine. avoid saying the F word.
1: Yeah. So yeah, those are um I, I don't do I don't do well with books that don't have like a definite ending. Like a definite like, you know, they love happily every after you don't really know. Unless you read the other books. But yeah.
0: And yet this is one of the books that stuck with you forever.
1: Forever. It's one of those books that I will have my children read. Mm-hmm. So one day. But yeah, it's um yeah, it's I think everyone should sure read it. So
0: yeah. Do you have any kind of like other closing thoughts about the book or anything that you feel like we didn't talk about that you really wanted to talk about?
1: No, I think we covered everything. I just, I think I just want to like like reiterate just that like you know this like thing that i mentioned is it worth giving up experiences of beauty joy and love and or and desire i would add that in that yeah desire in order to end pain and suffering and that is a question that i that i have grappled with um the many iterations or many times that i've read this this book Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: Um, yeah, if you asked me when I was younger, maybe it'd be a different answer, but I, I strongly believe in that, like, you need to have feelings and emotions and memories.
0: Well, I'm so appreciative of your questions. I mean, you asked two really profound questions of the book that I guess I really hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about. And that was the question you just asked and the question about memory. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is why I love talking about books with people because they, you know, you like, like Lowry says in the intro, you know, people bring their own stuff to the book and it's helpful to, to enhance the richness of what it is that we think about in a book. So I just loved the book. It's very powerful. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate you picking it and spending time with me to talk about it. It's great. Yeah,
1: yeah, of course. And if anyone else is, you know, wanted to read this, please give it a read. Um, and yeah, it's like phenomenal book and I encourage everyone to to read it. It's a short read, but it's a powerful read.
0: Short, but powerful. Totally agree with you on that. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.